Dominic is still at the beach. We hope you're using lots of sunscreen. And today we're covering the fear of missing out in IT and the impact on the strategy and operations, plus the blind spots of that approach. That said, let's kick it off with you today, Mike. Uh, what we tend to see in the industry is IT departments running after uh, one another in terms of like, hey, um, somebody is doing, you know, A, B or C. And it kind of like starts to galvanize in, um, in what we hear from different IT departments, from analysts. And I find sometimes we're running and um, have some projects on the table that I, I don't really know why we have on the table. It's just like everybody's doing it. I don't know how you guys see it, but that's a little of uh, what we tend to see in, in, in the industry. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I think we get a lot of um, behaviors um, where people are saying, well, maybe I should actually investigate this, right? Like, is it you get uncomfortable with the idea of not understanding or explicitly rejecting the things that are sort of brought up into the surface. And the result of that though, is that you're spending a lot of time on cycles trying to determine whether this thing is a thing for you in your department or not. And I, I think that probably takes a lot of IT people's time. Yeah, I, I think that's the key, Lilac, like what you just said. It's, you have to figure out how it fits in your organization. It goes back to, I used to always tell customers, you know, operationally, don't wrap anything around a vendor. It's kind of the same thing here. Just don't wrap anything around this fear of missing out or anything like that. Just determine what your needs are and how you're going to solve them the most efficient way. And if it aligns, it aligns. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But for some reason, there must be some great, you know, uh, analysts and marketers out there because for some reason that that doesn't seem to always take hold. I, I think it's uh, it's it's kind of weird because the, the biggest thing that scares me when I uh, talk to other um, IT organizations or IT, uh, other IT executives is they talk about, yeah, we're trying to get closer to the business, understand the business. But I mean, IT is the business. And if they haven't figured that out, then you're, you're absolutely right, Zach. Then who's driving uh, the strategy, the operations? It tends to be, yeah, I guess analysts or other vendors and and that's just the wrong way uh to go about it right uh, the whole uh the whole goal is to be um you know really part of the business and, and drive the overall business strategy but I, I don't think that always happens because of this yeah it's it's uh, it's kind of the message that it gets and and the channels we we talk to i i i assume I mean, I think it makes sense, right? When you think about the origin of this dynamic in IT, I think back, I was at a startup that went completely under, and so I I'm, I'm feel very comfortable talking about it because it was not successful. Um, and one of the things that we had was a really nifty technology. And if I told you about it, like you would nerd out about how difficult it was to build the thing that we had built. The problem was, is we didn't really have a market for it. And as I joined, it was like, okay, so what's the market for this, right? And And even beginning with that, creates this sense that you have to create, well, where's the problem statement? Okay, so let's identify and amplify a problem statement that may or may not be real, right? <laughs> and then let's tune the product to address that problem statement, which it did, um, but, but we've effectively created a market or created a problem. Um, which then we have to communicate, right? And that's where the analysts and the marketing and the emails and the weird you know, trade show banner ads um, all pop up. But all of that stuff, um, I think, actually creates, it's the foundation of this kind of FOMO problem for IT in the end is that if if somebody catches any of these messages, right, they're like, well, do I actually have a problem, right? Should I check if my refrigerator is leaking? And, and we create that intentionally in the industry as vendors, not as marketers, but as vendors. Um, there's that creation of the problem statement, um, which is 
the fail fallback for somebody who doesn't actually necessarily have a, a very tangible problem statement to begin with. There you go, creating creating a market. That you're exactly right. Let's try to tie this back to some examples in IT that maybe you've seen. So, Mike, can we start with you? Oh, examples. Examples are hard. You, you know what? You, you know, I think the the ultimate um, the the ultimate thing we see is there's a lot of companies that let's say will, will push technology, and and I'm kind of going back to like um, what, what Lilac said. But there's so much competition um, between different vendors that you see products start to overlap and the overlap may be one or two other products. And, you know, what they come to us with is, uh, you know, we can do A, B and C on security, but we have like a security platform. And OK, we can't do that piece with it. But now do I really need two products to that that have like an 80% overlap for that 20% I'm missing. And I think that's what's starting to happen quite a bit in, and it's gotten really competitive. I, I don't know what you guys see, but I feel that um, over the past few months, the competition uh, between, um, you know, product vendors has really kind of escalated and, and maybe it's because of, of the pandemic or, or because of, you know, uh, they're trying all to survive. Um, but it's getting uh, harder and harder. And I think, yeah, the pressure, the fear of missing out and yeah, it all comes to fruition. So, so that's where I see it happening uh, quite a bit with this, uh, with this competition, this overlap, right? But when you have many vendors start to jump in, right, to something that might be nascent or whatever it is, then you get a lot of, you know, whitewashing, you get a lot of just noise in the market. And I think that's when it becomes problem problematic, this noise in the market. So even the original intent of what might be, uh, you know, out there, it changes, it evolves. And so, you know, maybe this this market, uh, you know, that, that starts up, um, you know, is, is, uh, solves a specific problem. But then after that, you know, is that, even what they're focused on anymore. That's, that's what I see a lot of. Yeah. The, the, let's, let's say the, the pivot within those companies or uh, the expansion of what they do to uh, kind of encroach into, let's say what they, they sniff out as a weak vendor, it starts to really morph, right. And what you might originally um, have subscribed for in, in one product, it's, it's warped into something else. And uh, that we're that we're seeing too, and I, I think when you evaluate um, all, all these products, there's a bit of um, you know trying to understand what's the real core of these companies, and, and sometimes they're so new that that they can't. To, to your to your startup uh, startup example, Lilac, right? It's like, yeah, is this really a problem that I need to solve today? Because there could be other things that you know should have my priority uh, instead from the enterprise side. That's, I think that's absolutely right. It's, I think it, I agree. It's very crowded. Um, and I, I think that some of the, again, I think sort of to what we were talking about last week, there's a, this forward motion and desire to be um, associated with the cutting edge, right? And so that manifested 15 years ago with the cloud washing of absolutely everything, right? Like um, uh, anything that you could buy uh, on any kind of subscription was a cloud for a hot second, right? Um, and and so the, I think that sort of cloud washing behavior and the absolute limit on number of words in the English language, right, has created this, these conflicts and it's, it, it raises the bar on the part of the buyer to understand and disambiguate between products that are basically sound the same, might be fundamentally different, might actually be different in their approach, right, and different in their use cases, but because everyone's trying to draft off the same prevailing winds, like you're getting the same um, type of storyline around them and the same types of use cases being communicated. And I think it's just, 
the burden is extremely high. Um, but this FOMO problem is one of saying, well, can I just dismiss it out of hand? It is obviously the, you know, top three narrative in the IT business today, right? Can I just say, oh, forget machine learning, right? This is not for me. <laughs> I can't justify that kind of position because that would be myopic and and insular and 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 not what I want to be as an IT leader. So let's let's evaluate it, but let's also spend you know an inordinate amount of time trying to tell one kind of machine learning story from another. No, that's absolutely true. And I I think uh, when you when you start to kind of break it down, you know, you have like cutting edge technologies and you have the bleeding edge technologies. I think everybody wants to be on the really coolest kind of bleeding edge um, side of it, so they can say, hey, we've done this. I think when you look at like analysts and, and all this, they they always push the bleeding edge. I I, I get the feeling, but you know your posture from a computer uh, from a, a an enterprise perspective might might not be ready to accept that. It might not be the right time for your enterprise. And you know some, you know I've seen companies jump into certain um, you know offerings and, and so on and so forth, and not being ready then at the underlying layer. And you know what what ends up happening is I I don't know if everybody realizes this, but Companies talk, right? I mean, we, uh, what? we, yeah, we on the enterprise side have a, a pretty strong network with other uh, IT executives, and we talk about kind of our experiences and those bad experiences because I, I can tell you there are there are companies out there that have bought products that they have never succeeded at implementing, and those stories stick with us. And I think those companies end up getting uh, a stigma in certain let's say cities and circles that no one wants to touch them, right? And I, I think that happens um, quite often out there. And it, it's a shame because it's just like potentially the wrong time for a company or the wrong, um, you know, underlying um, technology or setup to to foster uh, those technologies. Well, we have to be careful, though. I mean, we, there's, there's we don't, I don't want to pivot too far the other way because I do feel like sometimes some of these technologies will help you know, customers, right? Especially, you know, like at, like at COVID, um, you know, from an automation perspective, maybe there's some other opportunities for some of these these software solutions, whatever it might be that, that can help these customers, right? Whether it is a true AI initiative, um, I know that word is, is broadly used. So I do think there's some, there's some benefit to some of these. You just have to evaluate it and then not really worry about the fear of missing out because you're right, that's, that's, a, that's a very real thing and it's cost companies a lot of money. And I actually want to um, take a, pull this back and, and sort of defend the analyst community. I, I've often um, uh, thought lovingly of the idea of becoming an analyst. And um, I, I don't know how much love I, <laughs> I continue to have for that because it's a lot of writing. Um, but the travel has gone way down. So that's nice. Um, I, I actually think that they are trying to do something good here. I think they're trying to distill and make sense of um, what is presented in the market to buyers. Um, and as a vendor, right, I remember um, the best analysts would really challenge me on what my product was actually doing and what benefit it was actually providing and wouldn't let me get away with um, sort of peanut buttering over with a, a beautiful storyline. Um, they wanted to know truly, truly, what are you doing? And, and I've always found that the best relationships that I've had with them are the ones that are collaborative and based on that kind of truth, right? Um, I think the challenge for them is that it's the hot topics that sort of get the clicks um, or whatever passes for clicks in their world. Um, and so uh, strangely, some of the tried and true use cases, the things that we know day in, day out are actually problems in IT and things that need to be solved, but maybe don't have the same um, 
razzle-dazzle these days to get a little bit less of their attention uh, because they're so focused on, you know, the newest, coolest stuff. Um, but I think their intentions are actually good. Um, I just think that whatever they put out becomes yet another vector that people can draft off of in their storylines and say, well, look, you know, somebody important said that this was a thing. And, and so now we're going to, you know, call everything that thing. Yeah. And I, I don't, so I think, you know, they need to drive their discussion one way and then, you know, I, I, I don't think they have an easy job, right? If you, if you think about it, I, I doubt like, you know, do, do you think in 10 years we're going to be at the same point? Do you think it's not going to evolve in, in, in technology where companies go the wrong way? I mean, the, the problem I've always had um, with kind of the, the analyst talk and, and what you see from them is all the companies go the same way, right? And if you want to differentiate yourself in any way, you kind of need to do something different, don't you? You mean from the analyst perspective? Like they need to call a different ball? Not not the analysts, but oh. the, the enterprises that are out there, right? Because the analysts are all going to do the same thing, right? They're all going to be kind of in, in unison and, and try to drive all these companies the the same way for the most part. I'll tell you, as a as an, a former analyst, I, I don't well, I don't know that they're all in unison. There are there are some firms that go in different directions and they might re, you know phrase some things differently, and that's that's just now how they operate. But I do think, you know, you're right. Not, I think I know you're right, Lilac. I mean, it's, there's a lot of work that goes into this. There's a lot of analysis that goes into this and you're never going to get everything right. So you can point out the things that aren't right. And then there are things like the hype cycle. It's exactly that. It's a hype cycle. It's not meant for organizations to go out and just, you know, read as the gospel, but it is meant for organizations to give them an idea of what else is going on out there. Because sometimes you do have a myopic view as an organization. You, you kind of live in your little bubble and you don't really know to your point, Mike, you know, organizations talk. And, and of course we know that and they talk at conferences and things like that, but so do, uh, you know, so do analysts, you know, and, and the companies that they're talking to. So they share information as well. And so, you know, they're, I think they're probably better informed than most to provide a, you know, a, a capsule of what's going on out there. And they do challenge you. I mean, I get challenged when I talk to them and I used to challenge vendors. I mean, very, very, uh, you know, uh, you know, very hard because, you know, they're, they're talking to customers and I, I, I always worry that, you know, are what is what they're saying correct? Is it not correct? And are customers using this? So I think, um, yeah. Let's take the example of, um, of AI ML, right. And, and specifically ML in, in, in the AI space. Right. So, you know, they've, it's it's hot now, right? Everybody's talking about it. I think that the spend for all companies is, is blowing up there and you see a lot of potential there. How many companies do you think when they started to to talk and 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 look at like ML and, and heard it just jumped into it? And, and how many do you think looked at um, kind of their posture and said, well, if we really need to do this, we need some some data and we need time sequence data because, you know, how, how's this machine going to learn and, and what do we want it to? How many did the backstepping? How many organizations do you think actually looked back? And I, I think that's what I miss from a bit the analyst because I don't think that happens unless unless you guys think differently. You mean you, you mean look back? That? Yeah, like who who's really building the steps, right? Right. So maybe it's your architects, right? But I I don't know that uh, that the the like just listening to analysts will will help you get there. No. I mean, you have to talk to your peers, and you have to talk to others, and and actually, I think ML, and I I will not dive deep into this because I know exactly the limits of my knowledge in this domain. But I think ML is is very similar to other technologies where, like, let's talk about what you're trying to solve for in IT. I've never met an IT leader who's like, you know what, I have got nothing but time and I would 
really like to just sit back and prey on this entire infrastructure and think about what would make it better, right? Usually they're like, there's a pipe broken in the corner and that system's about to be like EOL'd, right? <laughs> That's like their level, right? And so let's talk about how these things fit into the top priorities that somebody has. And if ML is the right answer to solve for whatever the problem is, and I think that's then yes, then we have to take like an intelligent approach to ML. But the idea that anybody's sort of sitting back and considering the, the greater glory of their entire infrastructure feels extremely optimistic. It feels like the kind of thing you do in a two-day offsite and then hope to God somebody has the, the wherewithal to move the project forward or the project forward for like even, you know, a month. I, I think we all struggle with efficiency. And, I, you know, when you look at, yeah, some of these topics, it's always to, from the lens of uh, making your entire organization more efficient. And I, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the, the IT organization, but the overall uh, uh, business, right? I, I think sometimes we're a little too focused on <laughs> making the IT organization a little more efficient, which is not the overall uh, goal here. So, No, well, you can't measure IT in a vacuum. So, you know, let's also think about this with analysts. Analysts cover technology. They don't they don't really cover the verticals. Now, there are some, right? You have class, which does healthcare, things like that. But I'm talking IT analysts, really, uh, really IT-focused analysts. And I think that's the bigger thing that we're probably talking about here. At least that's what I think, you know, I'm talking about is the analysts will cover the technology. But to what you said earlier, Lilac, does it does it fit for the organization or for what that, uh, you know, what that enterprise is trying to solve, right? So, I think that's the bigger thing here is, yeah, they, they cover technologies. They talk to these organizations. They might claim to know about, you know, healthcare. Okay, we talk to some healthcare organizations, or they might claim to know about manufacturing. But the fact of the matter is they're really technology-first focused analyst firm, a lot of these analyst firms, at least that we deal with, right? So I think to me, that's a problem. It's just the understanding the the business and uh, and, and the vertical is, is the bigger thing because each vertical is facing a different dilemma. Healthcare today is facing a different dilemma than manufacturing. Most uh, most organizations um, that are that are trying to sell into IT are, are broken down by their uh, sectors. Is is it the same for analysts? Um, no. So where I, I was an analyst, of course, and so for us, um, no, it's technology focused. Uh, it was broken down by technology. So you know, I covered cloud and data center. Uh, one analyst might cover security. One might cover uh, compute. Yeah, and it's it's. I think it's different use cases for, uh, for these organizations. So it's 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 a little different when you're broken up um, by technology. But then again, I guess you can't be an expert in in everything and and focus uh, one way. So well, there are like fintech analysts, right, that spend their time in, in specific um, niches. They don't tend to. They're you know you hear it about in healthcare and um, biotech and um, in financials. You don't hear a lot about like. Well, I'm sure there are manufacturing IT analysts out there, but they're not like super um, at the at the big firms like making a huge splash about it, right? I'm sure there's very niche groups that understand exactly how to handle that stuff, um, and their names probably should be up in lights, and we just don't know them, right? But um, but it is difficult, right, to understand. But but that's sort of where the rubber hits the road, right? When you hear a use case um, like that, a, a use case in in what sense, uh, Lilac? Like, um... Like when from, you're actually from... saying, like, let's do machine learning, you've got, I don't know, um, a mainframe doing 90% of the work in this part of the business. Um, where, how do we get the data out of there? Where's the, how do we do the math? And what have other people done in banking? And not by just banking, right? But in actually um, 
I don't know, financial markets processing, right? A very specific niche where the application is roughly equivalent, probably maybe homegrown, but roughly equivalent of what it's trying to be doing. And then like, how did they apply machine learning to that problem statement? But to dive in that deeply, and we know like we're, I'm, I'm, I'm in for this story, right? This is a story I'm absolutely reading because it's fascinating to me, but to dive into that story, you've already narrowed your market to the 25 financial exchanges in the world and the people that might be interested in them. And then analysts too, right? in a business and so they want to cast a wider net and so they tend to stay a click beyond you know up above that or two yeah we always you know we always praise the strategists the guys who are doing like uh all the strategy and say which way we're going to go but i think you know there there's something that remains to be said about execution and the and the operations of any business because you know even when you take some of these um you know like as we spoke about like the the fear of missing out like some of these either, um, you know, high tech opportunities or uh, bleeding edge opportunities. I think you always need the operations people, the execution people to break it down and, and, and make it make sense to an organization and execute on it. A lot of companies don't have that execution ability that can break it down into um, into said uh, deliverables. And I think that becomes hard for, for a lot of companies because, I mean, the whether you call them analysts, whether you call them consultants, they'll come in and they'll do it all in, in broad stroke, right? But then it's that rubber hitting the road, like, okay, now we need to execute on this. What are we actually talking about? You really need some, some, some true valued people on the ground to say, you know, this is how we're going to get, you know, we understand the strategy and this is how we're going to get there. And I think some, a lot of organizations are missing that. Right. And I think those people who are really good tend to run to like the, this, these consulting practices and all this. And then companies have a bit of a, a brain drain because, uh, because of what's, what's happening along uh, these areas. It's a little bit splotchy in the work though, right? Like it's a little, it comes and goes. I can see why they go to third parties, and I don't think third parties are necessarily bad, um, as long as you're deploying them appropriately in an organization, right? But that also assumes that your IT group isn't afraid of them, right? Use them, use the expertise when you need it. That's the point of consulting, um, and, and actually not necessarily long-term contracts, right? So I, there's two different things there. So let's peel back the layers. There's consulting, and then there's the analyst. So, and I think it's who you're talking to. So let's just go back to healthcare, for example. The IT department in a healthcare organization might talk to a traditional technology analyst firm, and they might say, you know what, you need to deploy AI in your radiology department. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. And then the actual doctors and the, and the people that are in the healthcare side are talking to a specific analyst firm that deals with, with healthcare. And so they're they're hearing perhaps maybe even more um, narrowly focused or, you know, a different story, a different message, or they're approaching it differently. And they decide, OK, we're going to bring in some consultants to help us work through this. So I, I really, we keep we keep talking about IT, but there's there's two different things. And this is going on in healthcare, by the way. And, you know, this there's, you know, who are we talking to? Who's talking to who? And who really owns the final decision? I can tell you, it seems like in healthcare, some of those decisions are getting more dispersed again, going back into the uh into the line of business, if you will, right? Uh, as opposed to being centralized. That doesn't this go back to IT needs to be part of the business? I mean, yep. if there's two, if there's two separate conversations happening with two separate organ, yeah, organizations or parts of the business, let's say one IT, one the doctors, and and, and so on, then yeah, of course there's going to be misalignment there, and 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 no kidding. But 
I think we need to get better from an enterprise IT perspective about writing our story, talking about it, and, and a bit like marketing ourselves because we're not so great at that sometimes. And and I see some some IT organizations that really struggle with with writing that narrative of all the good things they're doing. Um, a, a, a bit pivoting, pivoting. I feel to like these it's gotten better. I, I'm just going to say that. Like, I feel like it's gotten better. When we started, in, I started in this game now two decades ago. Holy hell. Um, it was <laughs> it was very sort of swing line stapler in IT, right? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was really a little bit much. Um, and now I actually feel like um, I, I can, the customers I work with, the people in our internal IT organization, I just feel like there is much less of a, of a wall um, much a greater understanding of the business case. There are still constraints on IT that business is really reticent to accept, right? Because they think that, like, can't you just wave a magic wand to make it all better? And so there will always be a tension. But I think it's gotten a lot better. So I just want to give a little credit where it's due. The nerds are, are really coming along. <laughs> I, 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 um, I, I challenge that a little bit. I Has it really gotten better? I mean, are have they gotten along or have they just caved in or... Um, I don't know. I mean, are are they really lining lining with the business, uh, Mike? I mean, what do you say? I'm curious. You're manufacturing. You know, do you do you remember a few years ago where everybody said, "Oh, the the CIO is going to be replaced by the marketing people," or, um, or or you know, we're we're seeing like uh, people from you know COOs are becoming CIOs and and this and that. I think that's a bit what's happening, but. Yeah, there's there's definitely two camps here. Like there, there's companies who get it and companies who are not quite there. And I think the companies who are not quite there are in the majority right now. Do I see it happening more and more? Yeah, of course I see it happening because I think it's, um, you, you know, I, I I think IT needs to understand the business story and the business needs to understand the IT story. Um, and you know, there's there's a real interest from. Uh, the, the business side of it to understand IT more and more, right? I think they understand now that, and, and especially in, in in these COVID times, that technology is their big enabler. How do I leverage it? What can we do? They want to know kind of the, you know, if you if you think about the architects, they want to know what the architects are looking at. I, I think the, the the really good business people. So that's why it's starting to to come together. But I think it's happening on both sides. But there's still a bit of um, yeah tension between the two. I would say in a, in a lot of places, um, and maybe it's trust. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, what it is, but yeah, a bit of what I see. I, I don't know if you guys see it too. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. I, I mean, I it's getting there. I don't think we're there, and I think um, it, there's it's a shift, and we can't just be there overnight. These things don't just happen happen overnight, right? Where all of a sudden, you know, the the business and IT they they're finally they're getting it. I mean, we had shadow IT that was kind of a transition. I think that term is is gone right now. But that, but now, um, you know, I think what we're seeing is, you know, it's it's it has to go that way. Not that it's starting; it has to, and and it is now. Th- there's going to be change. There's going to be change in IT and how we approach things, and we change from the business side. Um, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I've got a good friend who, for a long time, was a hardcore IT ops guy, and now he's you know doing some work with uh, Blue Prism, and you know he's doing some RPA stuff, and so that's and he loves it. It's interesting, right? He's on the other side dealing with the business side and how to solve their problems and create efficiencies. And I think that's great, you know, so I think we're getting there, but do I think everybody will be along for the ride? I, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Lilac? 
So I think I actually would tier it by software stack because I like to tier everything by software stack. My wedding cake was actually a software stack. Fun fact. Um, and I'm not joking. Um, and, I'm a little I'm a little scared, but we'll ask next time. Okay, I'll send you a picture. Um, but I, I think that that's actually a relevant dimension. So I think the Blue Prism example and RPA is really really salient. Um, because you can't do RPA without being close enough to the business to understand what it is you're Ring, paying, paying, I don't know. Um, and so I think that that's a place, for example, where people do in fact get really tight with the business processes. And in fact, you can see org charts that have the process group and the IT group is one, right? Like I'm an IT person and I report into the, the business, right? And because the RPA lives at that level, basically at the app level, right? It's beyond the app level. It's sort of a tier above it. Um, and But if you go down to the infrastructure team, right? They're a lot further away and very, very few business people are spending a great deal of time, you know, having lunch with a networking group. Um, and that may be fine. Um, but that is, I think, where we see a great deal of distance. Now, I don't think all distance is bad. Um, and I think some places it's okay and some places it's 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 going to get better or it needs to get better. Well, so I think you just hit the nail on the head. That's that's kind of what I was saying. I mean, the infrastructure is the infrastructure. You know, it, it's, uh, I don't want to say its value is different than it was 10 years ago, even five years ago. But, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, its place in the stack is probably different, you know. So, yeah, I, I think you... That's what I'm saying exactly. I think that's right. The the ops people for a long time have had a relationship with the people executing on the business side. I think now it, that's that's never going to drive as much value as the application folks having a relationship with the business people. Um, and you know, I know uh, you know we, we we hate to to drag down cloud and all that, but I think everybody's starting to realize that the value is in on the application layer. The infrastructure should just work the underlying kind of operations. You know, that's why you see organizations, uh, you know, merging the two into what they would call DevOps. But technically, what, what's really happening is as they move to cloud, the ops side is getting more and more reduced and everybody's becoming more of an application per person to move up kind of that, that value chain towards the business. That's what I see happening. I, I don't know if you guys agree or disagree there. Well, no, I think that's you're exactly right. I mean, cloud is showing everybody that you know you don't need to, be, you know, it should be API driven. It's an API driven infrastructure, and you know the the infrastructure itself shouldn't be something you spend a, a massive amount of time on, like you have years past that, that have slowed you down, et cetera. But it's also taught us that anybody in the business can go ahead and create an app. And this is probably a, another show, but I can create an app like we've talked about in the past, a serverless. You know, you're leveraging functions or whatever, right? It's not going to solve everything, but it will solve something. Just ask Domino's, um, you know, with their with their button, right, to order a pizza, right? I mean, you can create an app. It can start in the business and it can run its way back to IT. So, I, I no, I agree completely. I, but I think this is a, a, a great discussion to talk about cloud. So, I mean, what's, what's left there? But, um, I, I, yeah, I agree. I think there's different elements of the ops that are popping up now, right? The thing that I, and I, I think we have a, we could have a whole nother discussion about the mess that is IT that we tell ourselves is okay. And I think that's like another day. Um, but um, I feel like the ops side that, that is harder now is the integration between applications and understanding the data flow and understanding the dependencies between all the applications that are both on site and in the cloud. Um, that like spaghetti mess that happens in most organizations of any size, right? Maybe not the digital natives, but the, the ones that have, you know, decades of IT behind them. Um, that That is a hot mess. And I think that's the part 
that the ops side of DevOps needs to actually lean into. It's less about whether there's a fan that's broken somewhere and that you need to go address. It's a lot more about um, what if this feed goes down, how do I understand triage and and fix it quickly? And how do I set the right kind of alerts on the application as it gets deployed that, that, that um, communicate those dependencies and so forth, right? It's just so complicated now. Well, our, this is what they're solving though, Lilac. They're already solving this. This is the runtime abstraction that you're given with serverless. This is uh, part of the low code movement even, right? So this is already something that, you know, again, not every application will move over, but over time, as people develop new applications, they'll, you know, if it were me, I mean, obviously, you know, if you want to look at a SaaS first, but if I were to, you know, go down the layers, I would look at no code. Okay, what can I do there? What can I do with low code? So I think they're already addressing this. I think some companies, though, Zach, are still um, still dealing with different um, technologies that they've had um, historically or different areas that are not all talking to each other uh yeah, seamlessly, let's say. Uh, and, and I think there's a, a bit of an issue there with some of the older companies, because I, I agree, if you're a company that was started in, in, in 2000 or, uh, or, or earlier, uh, I think it's a lot easier for you. Whereas if you've been around uh, for a while, yeah, that data kind of moves around. It's in some places, it's real kludgy, right? And, and you start to ask uh, questions. And, and you start to see a, a few weaknesses or scary points in, in that. I, I think uh, companies still need to address that. But you're, you're right. I mean, from from the aspect of it's getting easier, it is. But that pivot needs to happen. Again, a bit of that, like, you know, kind of your strategy needs to also address uh, moving to um, to some more modern functionality, which I think some people are doing and, and some people are struggling at. Again, comes coming back to like execution, execution, execution. Yeah, I think I agree with that, right? I think the fact that they're solving for it now, right, is great. I mean, that's the future and that's IT, right? We, we move forward, right? But I think that's um, one of the things, and I obviously sit in a world where technology has been in place for decades. Um, there's a there's a path there, right? There's a road, and it is it is potentially lengthy, um, potentially longer than my career, right? To get to that point that that some of these systems become that, um, uh, well, I don't even want to say modern, right? Because by by the time some of these things come to pass, it, it isn't an issue of modernity um, at all. And I um, I like solutions that are expansive in the way that they address these problems. It's lovely to solve some of these things at the bleeding edge for people that are digital natives or for people that have a certain kind of investment profile in IT. Um, but I'm my my heart and my soul, and, and not based on anything that I could write as an analyst for Gartner, right? <laughs> but like my heart and my soul likes technologies that and and solutions that are expansive enough to address the older systems to address the lower budget IT shops, the smaller IT shops, right? The places where um, uh, the talent base is more difficult to acquire and hold on to and pay for. To me, that's the stuff that really gets me up in the morning and gets me going. And so I'm glad somebody's solving it sort of for the cool people. Um, really interested in um, have it, having it get solved more broadly. I, I don't... <laughs> I, I struggle with that. You, you, I, I, and I and I struggle with it too, Zach. You know, you know what it is. I, I think those companies, like if you if you think about it, they're valuing stability over uh, forward progress. You know, and I think it's why it's why some of them are. You know, I hate to use the word complacent because I, I think there's there's high risk. 
uh, in, in them making changes because they value that stability so much, but they're they're never uh, kind of taking that risk. And, and you see, like uh, you know, there's there's some re- retailers out there with like you know DOS six point one cash registers. I know hard to believe, but you know, and and they struggle to get off of it. You know, it's it's kind of the the risk uh, profile that they're willing to take. But you know, there's some big companies that have big outages these days. And there are still some companies that consider that like a really big black eye and don't want it, but it's kind of become part of it. So that that's where the struggle is, right? It's it's stability and it's risk and it's how do you manage both? And I think there are some companies that are just so risk averse that they'll never go that way. But you know, those companies are are, are ripe for disruption. I, I at some point, I would assume. I mean, I think it really depends on their business. Like a risk of sort of pushing back, right? If you were if you were running a financial exchange, going down is actually cataclysmic, right? Yes, it's yes, not that's absolutely. not optional, right? And and in fact there's plenty of organizations that run their IT so hard and fast that an outage of six hours is a backlog that, that runs through the month. Right. It de- really depends. I understand that the e commerce site can go down for two hours and we all sort of accept that we can't buy our, you know, pants online on Saturday night and that's okay. Right. And that isn't, it is a black eye, but it isn't like cataclysmic. Um, I think some organizations are really the air traffic control systems and even airline bookings or even like, there's a lot of stuff out there that is actually 24 by seven. Um, and the things work, right. Things that work don't tend to get this level of attention. I think the other problem is, is that we look at innovation that happens in these more, um, uh, boxed in organizations and we look for signs that we consider by being you know the cool kids because you know the three of us are as cool as it gets um we look for signs of of cool that are i think don't match the progress that they are making i mean all right so <laughs> this is how i think of it when i'm listening to all this i, I have a vhs company i'm or, uh, i'm renting out vhs movies and i'm just focused on becoming more efficient with renting out my VHS movies, how I get them in, how I put them on the shelf, how I get them out there. Forget these other guys. They're trying to go way advanced. There's still a need for me. I still have a need. And guess what? I'm still going to repair those Betamax, you know, players you have because there's still a need for that. There's still a need. That's look, I, that's only going to get you so far. You, there, This is a technology driven economy. And so my perspective is that you have to you have to adopt or adapt somehow. You have to have a roadmap or a vision. You may not be there today. It's maybe not important, but you sure as heck need to know that in three years you're going to be somewhere different, or you're going to be somewhere different. Yeah, I, I think you know I agree with Lilac's point uh, as well because I, I think like when it comes to certain companies, like their crown jewels or their you know core business. Uh, so so take the the air traffic controllers. Like you, you can't touch that system like you do other systems, but the peripheral systems probably uh, that make up that you know that entire organization. Okay, it, it's it's a different story, uh, but. Yeah, Zach, you, you have a point too. Like you need to plan. And when you're putting in technology, I think you need to also plan for the next step for making it easy for the next upgrade, right? And I think that's a bit of a, an, an architect's uh, responsibility, right? So let, let's talk about this airlines. I mean, um, there's a major airline that leverages AI ops has prevented a couple outages. What if they didn't implement AI ops? And I mean, major top top two in the US. Uh, the other one is too, by the way, I, I think I think they might be using something uh, different, but, uh, and Dominic knows who I'm talking about. Um, that have prevented outages, so they are leveraging these technologies. So yeah, they can't go down. They recognize that, and they are shifting. You know, they are shifting with with the time. So yeah, I think that we're looking for certain kinds of things, though, as innovation in this space, right? And I that's I think 
you know, I'm, I'm always going to be on this soapbox. This is my favorite soapbox, right? But AI ops is amazing. But what about the fact that some other vendor of equal, like AI ops is probably running on what? A, a mainframe right back there, Mike? I, my guess is that. No, 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 I don't think so. No, 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 no. I don't think so. But the underlying <laughs> system back there is that's running the air traffic control is, is probably not an Amazon. That's my guess, my gut. Right? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm probably not. Probably right? in a bunker, actually. <laughs> we were, we were, yeah, we were talking about uh, a while ago about uh, the the nuclear arsenal running off. Uh, what what is it? Eleven and a half inch floppies or whatever Amazing. it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah but you yeah, know, they've yeah, always yeah. worked. I don't know why you'd ever change that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But this stuff is sort of, I think it evolves in certain ways, but I think we look for overhaul instead of evolution a great deal. Um, and I think we look for certain kinds of fun words um, layered on top of it and not the the march of time moving forward in the more boring ways. And I think people put a lot of investment in progress that is very difficult to see. And that's the entire technical debt problem, right, is that there's no glory in paying down your technical debt, but it absolutely changes the very nature of the systems you're running. Yeah, I think um, when you start to, to look at um, uh, some of so, some of these items, there are companies that are layering on to like uh, older technology with newer technology. Um, but I think at some point you got to you got to rip off the bandaid, right? There, there's going to come a time where you're going to need to rip off the bandaid if you if you want to continue to make uh, the progress, or you're gonna. I, I think you're gonna get disrupted. I, I don't think there's any way. One hundred percent. One hundred percent, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't <laughs> it, do this, you will be disrupted, and it, it's not gonna be a pretty sight. You know, Zach, we've kind of uh, we've kind of talked around AI ML ML specifically for uh, a few episodes now. I think uh, in the future we're gonna have to do a, a bit of a, a deep dive there for for sure. Um, because I I think it's one of the more uh, disruptive where if you're not thinking about um, how you're going to leverage it, I I think you're going to lose out um, on a big efficiency gain at at some point. But history history will will determine that, I guess. Well, thank you, everybody, for another great episode. I appreciate it. Uh, Lilac, we're going to have to find a way to make you a a staple on this show somehow. So we're going to welcome you back again here soon. And uh, Dominic, get get off the beach there, buddy, and uh, get back to work. All right. Um, I don't know what kind of vacations you have in Europe, but uh, I think they're pretty good. Uh, We actually, we we miss you, Dominic. We hope you're doing well and doing time with your family. And um, yeah, thank you everyone, Mike. Thanks everybody. Have a great one. Uh, Welcoming uh, Dominic back and thanks Lilac uh, for the past two weeks and uh, hoping to talk to you soon again. Thank you. Thank you.